Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Controlled Chaos brought to you by the Risky Fox Network. Again, the Risky Fox, we have a ton of podcasts, YouTube videos, all that kind of stuff. So make sure you check out the Risky Fox on Instagram or theriskyfox.com, whatever you prefer. In this episode, I sit down with Julia Hamer. She is a neuroscientist that just shares a wealth of information about the brain relating to fitness and relating to our digital lives. She's also a brand known as the Fit Brain, and she uses that brand to teach people about health, fitness, your cognitive abilities, all that kind of stuff. She puts on a ton of workshops. And if that wasn't enough, she's also a volleyball player for the Canadian national team. And there's more. She's also a model that is, you know, well, doing the model thing for an agency. So a ton of stuff going on. And if that wasn't enough, I, I feel like I'm saying this over and over again. She's also going to med school in Australia in the new year. So this was someone that I really wanted to talk to to get her opinions on several things. Uh, a lot of stuff that she specializes in, but also talk about the creative process and some tips and tricks that she might have for content creators. Enjoy the episode. We recorded this in an athletic facility and it sounds like an airplane hangar, so I do apologize for that. But that being said, there's a ton of great content here. So make sure to watch the entire thing and subscribe to Controlled Chaos on your podcast player of choice. So before we get into all the things that we're going to talk about, mm -hmm. uh, tell us what are the things that you're doing right now? Because when I go to your Instagram page, there's yeah. a bunch of stuff there. Yeah. So what do you do? A professional Instagrammer. No, uh, <laughs> working on the Instagram life, but I think I live, I live a couple of lives and not all of them are on Instagram. So first and foremost, I'm a researcher, so I work in neuroscience. Mm -hmm. So I did my master's in medical science with a specialization in neuroscience. I also did my undergrad in neuroscience okay. after I did my undergrad in kinesiology. I like school. Uh, um, that itself is a full-time thing. Yeah, so let's yeah. see what else is on the, the menu, so to speak. <laughs> totally. Uh, so I worked in concussion research for uh, my master's, and now I'm more in the dementia, mood disorder field. So I right, look right, at right. bipolar disorder, I look at depression, and I also look at how the brain's changing when we get into more of a mild cognitive impairment mm -hmm. or full-blown dementia. Right, right. So that's sort of the job yeah, right now. Yeah. Uh, I'll be starting medical school in a month. So that Congrats. job, thank you. Uh, that job will be put on hold. I'll be moving to Sydney, Australia yeah. for medical school at the University yeah. of Sydney. So I'll still be doing research there. So part of your medical degree at Sydney, which is why I really wanted to go, is that it's actually mandatory to do a mini thesis. Right. So I'll be working in the lab once a week and then probably as a part-time job as well, mm -hmm. just to keep up my collaborations with Toronto, with China, with a few of the places that I'm collaborating with for just That sounds amazing. I'm, I'm also exhausted hearing it because I feel like <laughs> that is a lot of work. Yeah. And it's, it's intense, uh, meaningful work. Yeah, the thing is, is when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. So right, when right, I'm right. researching something about how exercise is helping kids that have early onset cognitive dysfunction, mm -hmm. that's amazing. Yeah. Or if kids are diagnosed or they're at risk for bipolar disorder because their parents have bipolar, right, right, right. what are things that we can teach them about diet, about exercise that may be able to benefit them? Right. So I really am passionate about lifestyle factors and how that affects health outcomes. We're definitely going to talk about that as well. Totally. Uh, but that's not all you do, right? You do a bunch of other things as well. So what else do you do on top of neuroscience, med school, and all that <laughs> research? So 
I think when I started dating Martin, a lot of our dinner conversations would be us just talking about what we're passionate about. Right. And I learned so much from him in terms of health, wellness, fitness, how he's making a difference in like millions of people's lives, especially youth and right, right. sport. So that's beneficial for me. And what he his feedback to me is the stuff that I teach him about what I'm learning in school or in science or articles that I'm reading. He says, like, no one knows this stuff. Like, right. this is not, like, common knowledge. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, everyone knows that, like, if you eat this, it's going to affect your brain this way. Or, like, oh, of course, that's, like, how that synapse works. It's, it's like, almost like you're so close to it that you feel like it's common knowledge, totally, right? Totally, yeah. So my world is a really privileged, small world that we have this access to knowledge that the general population just does not have. Right, right. So if you have, like, a stomach bug or you have something on your face that's weird, I yeah. mean, your WebMD is, like, your go-to. Yeah. Um, for better or for worse. For better or for worse. And like sometimes the internet gives you great resources, but we're in this world of excess, this world of plenty, this world of like overconsumption right. of knowledge, and a lot of times it's not real. Right. We're all trying to sell something, and we're always something. diagnosing ourselves with cancer somehow. Totally. Like everything is cancer. And then the, there's like these. I mean, I believe in a lot of holistic medicines, but some things like you know what you have cancer. I got this soundboard. Like I'm just gonna play this music, and bro, it's just gonna go away. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know that's not okay. Or when I see. If I walk into a health food store and I read a bottle that says, will help prevent dementia or will help cure um, dementia, Mm -hmm. that gets me more frustrated than anything in this world because I just imagine someone who actually has that disease that's desperate. We don't have any cures for you. And this person is making probably millions of dollars off a product that has no research behind it, no liability, have no idea got approved by the FDA. Truly 21st century snake oil salesperson. Exactly. Exactly that. So for me, I think that was sort of my motivation is that there's a lot of false information. Right. I'm privileged to know some of these, not the answers, but I do have a large background in medicine and in neuroscience, how can I convey this to the general population? Yeah, yeah. So my first keynote talk was about four years ago. It was a charity that was giving uh, a talk, I guess, on how yoga and meditation affect your brain. So they right. had a yoga teacher explaining meditation right. from a yoga teacher's perspective. And, and so again, you're doing med school. Well, you're doing I was, all, all yeah, this. Yeah, my year, master's. Then, your master's. Yeah studying for med school, doing research, yeah, and you're also doing talks on this kind of stuff. Was this under a brand, or was it just like you're still kind of like figuring it out? Or Yeah, so at this point, I wasn't a brand. It was my first keynote talk. I thought, you know, sure, I, I know how yoga changes the brain. I know how right. meditation changes the brain. I did a thesis on it before. Right. I'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then I got such positive feedback that people that were – in the audience that day happened to be very influential. One worked at a law firm, was the head of the HR department. Like, we'd love to bring you in and give these talks. So I started realizing then, like, oh, I am of a service to people. I'm a little bit valuable. All right, a little ego now. Let's do this. Give me a paycheck. And it was cool to see what my worth was. Of course, when you get paid for something, you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God. Like, I made some money off doing something that was But also doing things that, like, Again, had purpose in a way. Right? Totally, it's meaningful. Like for me, I can't do. It's hard for me to do meaningless work. Like I have to feel, yeah, fulfilled and that I'm truly helping people. Right, so that's right. when the idea of the fit brain came up. Right. So now, I guess you would say that's like my company, my brand. Right. Uh, fitness is one part of my life, but that encompasses all types of health. Yeah, because there's some people yoga. that know you as Julia, and there's a lot of people that just know you as the fit brain. As the fit brain, yeah, right. yeah. And then the brain part is sort of, I like the show Pinky and the Brain growing up, so I considered myself Which, the brain. Which, if you don't listen, there's a bunch of people growing up, and they, they've never heard of Pinky and the Brain, 
please educate yourself. Go down the YouTube rat hole because that is a gem. That show was a gem. It was great. Like, what are we going to do tonight? Thank you. Exactly. Same thing we do every night. Take Take over over the the world. world. Exactly. So I wanted to take over the world as the fit brains, you know. The brain itself was a little bit fat, so yeah, yeah. Pinky was a little bit more like me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I decided, you know, people who work in a law firm that make that big paychecks, sure they have access to these great speakers coming in. Right. But what about just the general public, like population, like right. my friends or you know parents that yeah. just want to learn about things and, that can help them, and especially people that may not have access, people that are like you know middle to low income. Exactly, you know, just like, making it accessible. Just don't have access to that information. Yeah, accessible. Exactly. Yeah, so. Some events I do that they're they're free. It's for charity. A mm-hmm. lot of them, uh, and then some of them it's a, a low ticket price, so I can cover some overhead costs. It's like fifteen twenty bucks, right, and then right, right. I still if someone can't make it, they want to come. I'm not going to tell them. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So at those events, I've taught people how meditation changes their brain. I talk about how blue light and being on a phone affects your brain. Mm-hmm. How social media changes their brain. Uh, about our gut brain connection. So sort of those hot trending topics that right. I well, I find on BuzzFeed or when people say, you know, if you have a glass of red wine, it's the same thing as working out. And I'm yeah. like, no, right, it's right. not. So you're taking so, things, topics that are trending, mm-hmm. um, that are maybe circulating online yeah. and applying your real research and real background to yeah. them to either debunk them or to further kind of elaborate on them, I guess. Yeah, it's just pro- providing some clarification if it's needed. Right. And usually a lot of the time it is debunking commonness. Right, um, right. And especially even in the world of concussion, people don't know that a concussion is a brain injury. Yeah. They're just, yeah. you know, you get hit on the head, tough it out, go back and, to sport. And we're definitely going to talk about that because, it's, again, yeah. especially with parents and with their kids and mm-hmm. really putting them into certain sports, maybe pushing them to live a life that they didn't live. Yeah. That kind of stuff gets often ignored too, right? Yeah, I mean, and Martin can probably touch on that a lot yeah, too. Yeah, and understanding, yeah. but so, from parents but you know, and sorry to cut you off, but no. you're, you're doing the neuroscience. Neuroscience. But now yeah. you're doing talking. You've talking. created the Fit Brain brand. Yeah, but it doesn't stop there. Yeah, it's up there. So I've almost done my yoga teacher training. So you're actually studying to become a licensed yoga teacher. Yes, a yeah. registered yoga teacher. It's with the Yoga Alliance, so it's like a global right, alliance. Right. So I'll be teaching vinyasa classes soon. Yeah. I have my exam in less than a month. So I'm- it's always interesting for me when I meet yoga teachers because, you know, being a South Asian, <laughs> then being able to pronounce certain Sanskrit words better than me. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's always enlightening. I'm like, man, I should go and do my research. Yeah, I know. Just but like Janu Shirshasana. It's just like, <laughs> what does that even mean, man? Yeah. I don't know. It's just like... But like, I mean, that is hard work in itself, right? It takes a yeah. lot of dedication and, and time. Like, it's one of those things... You can go to the gym and you can work out and you can just put effort behind certain things and you can see the results. Yeah. But with this, it takes patience. You really need to like apply yourself and there's no real time to it. It it comes down to you. Yeah. I mean, I think that what you're saying is sort of a couple things. So first, yoga in the westernized world is a workout. Right, right, You're going to go sweat. Good for you. You're going to do hot yoga so you sweat even more. Bikram. Yeah. For me, yoga is a very spiritual practice. It's a religion if you want to call it that and that's the eastern philosophy coming over to the west that kind of got mixed up so yoga has eight limbs right one of those limbs is the physical practice which is called asana right that's one of eight there's seven other things that is yoga so the physical practice is actually just to sort of tire your body out so you're ready to meditate right yoga is about meditation it's about self-discovery it's about finding who you i guess finding who you are transcending that so you can just be free free of attachments free of judgment to live into your greatest potential on earth 
And for I'm some not, people, see, it takes I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded now because I've never heard it explained to me this way. Yeah, right? yeah. So the the physical posture is just to move and create strength in your body, so you can actually sit still in meditation for a longer period of time to get to this higher level of like awareness of enlightenment, if you want right, to call right, right, it. Right. But sometimes you need a couple of lifetimes yeah, to yeah, yeah, get yeah. to that uh, yeah. that enlightenment. So. And the thing is, here's the thing. I'm trying to ask these leading questions because I already know it doesn't stop there. Yeah. Because <laughs> we met at a, at a shoot. You're actually yeah. a model as well. Yeah. <laughs> Assigned to an agency. Yeah. So on top of all this stuff, you yeah. actually do modeling every I now and then. for the camera. Yeah, you know, every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, and is there anything else? I think there's one more thing as well, right? The athletic couple. Yeah, so we have the athletic couple. So my partner and I created a brand called The Athletic Couple. Right. It was actually a joke at first. Just yeah. We thought it would be funny. We created the Instagram account, and then I think we posted a year afterwards because yeah. someone took a photo of us together that looked athletic. Like, oh, yeah, we yeah. are the athletic couple. So <laughs> we haven't done too much of the brand yet. I think there's a lot of potential, but I it's difficult. Some of it just feels so egotistical. Like, look at us, look at yeah, me, and posting all the yeah. time. Especially going through this yoga journey. Right. It's hard to sometimes market myself in that way. Of right, like, right, right. Yeah, look at what I'm doing. Yeah, when instead, yeah. I actually want to just go in and life and do it. So, like, the, the athletic couple is an Instagram platform right now. Right. What's important to me is the stuff that we do as a couple outside in the real world and how right. that represents who we are. And, and I'm so humbled to hear you say this because a lot of people don't think of it that way. Yeah. You see, you meet a lot of people that are like, hey, we're both athletic, we're both good looking, let's just get those likes and get those followers. Yeah, let's get free stuff. Yeah. Like, we're so cool. And yeah. then, yeah, it's difficult. I think Martin's in the in the same boat that it's a love-hate relationship with Instagram. Right. I say he's like the best worst at it because he has followers because you're an Olympian. You're yeah. an amazing person, amazing individual. Yeah. You suck at posting. You never post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your photos are the lowest quality. I remember uh, he was doing a post for a brand. I won't say which brand. Yeah. But he had the product. And then he just put his like athletic shoes behind it and took like the worst photo and posted it. I'm like, oh my god, they paid you for that. That's brutal. <laughs> you need to be better than that if you want to be like an influencer. He's like, I'm not. But it, it an ta- influencer. It, it takes yeah. it takes practice, and it's these things that you know it comes with time. Totally. But also that journey, you can get you know what we say, lost in the sauce, so to speak. Right? <laughs> or, or you just you're like tomato sauce. You're deep. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're Alfredo. Yeah, like exactly. you're just changing who you exactly. are. Exactly. And yeah. you've lost track of who you are, really. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, again, you do a ton of stuff. Yeah. I don't want to start with the neuroscience thing because. You know, we talk to creators all the time, and yeah. we talk about creativity and overcoming adversity. Yeah. Um, but the process of like creating content can have a mental toll on people, mm-hmm. where you either confront, you know, being burnt out, exhaustion. Yeah. Um, you start to lose track of what you, what is valued and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, I hate to blanket the term, but like you start to just have these mental health issues creep up. Yeah, it's hard to know the sure. signs. So. Let's start with that. Like, how do you know the signs of, you know, you may have a mental health issue? Maybe it's not there, but it's like kind of there. In terms of when it comes to creators or yeah. just people in well, general? People, people that are like actually in the creative field. Like, let's just say right. content creators that maybe never had one, right? Right. Uh, but they go down this journey, they start getting likes, and now yeah. they see if like, you know, you hear it all the time. There's a bunch of people that are taking a break from YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, that are getting burnt out. Yeah, what's her name again? The Superwoman's Superwoman. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of them, and like yeah. you know, kudos to them to actually eventually realize that and take that break. Yeah, but is there I'm any also ad- announcing it to the public. I think 
personally, if you take a step back from whatever it is that you're doing, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a really personal journey and that puts you in a really vulnerable position. And to bring the awareness. And then to share that with people is just so, you don't realize how empowering and inspiring that is Huge. for thousands and thousands of people. Her saying, like, I'm taking a break, I'm not healthy. Yeah probably just made other people have that thought in their brain that maybe in a couple days, weeks, months, they're meditating. Like, right, right, right. Maybe this is resonating with me on a deeper level than I thought. Right. So. And you know, as you say that, I'm like, maybe let's take a step back. <laughs> There's so many things. We need like a graph yeah. now. So like, what is happening to my brain, for example? I'll use myself as an example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where I'm constantly doing stuff, building content, trying to live my regular life. I'm doing a whole bunch of things. Yeah, you're bad. And I'm not giving mind. myself that time to break. Like, what am I setting myself up for at a, at a almost like brain level, neuroscience level. Yeah. It depends. I think you're a pretty happy guy. Mm-hmm. Or at least it comes off that way. Great acting. Well done. <laughs> um, burnout is, I think people use the word burnout because it's easier to say than depression or anxiety. So right, right. I sometimes use that word just to make it an easier transition for people to access. So when it comes to diagnosing a disease, there's something called the DSM, which is the Diagnostic right, Statistics right, right, right. Manual. So the version that we use right now is the DSM-5. So everyone has stress. Right. Everyone gets upset. Mm-hmm. Everyone has days when you feel down. People have days when you feel a little bit nervous. Everyone opens a fridge and realizes the milk carton is empty, but someone left the box there. Yeah. Yeah. What a dick. <laughs> um, so like ups and downs in life, like the only constant in life is change. Right. So we all have a baseline level of resiliency and we can train that to be able to handle adversity a little bit better. Gotcha. When stress is happening to an individual and they don't know how to cope with it in a sense that it's affecting their activities of daily living, so mm-hmm. their ADLs, right. that's when it becomes a mental health issue. So gotcha. you know, let's say you just created this beautiful podcast. Right. You had this high, it was great, but now you're stressed, like you're, you're, you're editing, you're trying to create this, this vision, this, this project, and you're putting so much time and effort into it. It's done. Right. You can now take a break, but you're still stressed. The stressor is gone, but you're continue to stress and freak out about it yeah, or yeah, yeah. not be able to cope with it. And now you can't move on to your next project. You're not creative. You can't think about what to do next. It's, it's affecting your professional life. Yeah. Or maybe it's uh, affecting Bleeding you. into other parts of my exactly. life. Exactly. Yeah. Or as a partner or as a father, you're not able to give to your son in the same way that like you want to. You're not present. You're just unable to manage your workload. Right, right, right. And again, that happens to people all the time and yeah. it comes and goes, but if it happens for a certain duration of time, let's say more than three weeks, you're in this like dark, deep, depressive state that you cannot function. Wow. That's so even in as like, little as three weeks, it can become a serious... Yeah, so with like for major depressive disorder, for example, right. um, you need to have at least one major depressive episode, so an MDE, right. and that's about like a three, two to three week period of when you feel persistently down for that entire time. There's no up. Right, right, right. So that was when it would become of concern. But if you just had lost a family member or some significant stress in your life just happened, that's a natural response. So we'd say you have to wait about six months until after someone passed away for us to really know if this is something that's persisting or if you're just in gotcha. mourning or gotcha. loss or however that looks right, like. Right, right, right. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, when you when you confront... Oh, sh- I should actually take another step back. Yeah. <laughs> one of the hard things... Salsa dancing here. Like, <laughs> salsa dancing. Uh, one of the hard things to do is for people to actually confront this. So there's a bunch of people that are, again, creating content, making videos, taking pictures, whatever it may be. Yeah, nonstop. Um, like the life is, especially with it being digitalized now, 
you're always on that. You can't turn it off, right? Yeah, and, and people always yeah. use the blanket term that that dopamine response, that dopamine response. Mm-hmm. Like you put a picture up, and people you get love to like, neurotransmitters. Like they're like, oh, because they have thing. low serotonin. I'm like. That is one theory. It's called the monoamine hypothesis. It's a hypothesis. We actually didn't even prove it. And only 5%, 10% of people actually respond to those drugs. Like the other 90% are still depressed. I'm going to rewind and listen yeah. to this very slowly so I can <laughs> recite it to other people and sound super smart. Yeah, there you um, go. <laughs> so, you know, let's, let's talk about the actual process of everything. So people yeah. are creating content. Yeah. They put it out there. They get that super high. Is dopamine even involved in any of this stuff? Like what is that high that they're feeling? And yeah. from there, I have a follow-up question, but let's talk about that. Well, I mean, if they're not smoking dope, then yeah. there's an actual brain process that's going on that's causing the high. So when you feel, well, there's different things. You can feel good and you can feel happy. Right. And that could be some serotonin, let's say. Right. But if you do an action and then you feel good about it, it's usually a reward response. So it's a different part of your brain that's gotcha. feeling rewarded. So right. you put your content out there, you're like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Julia looked good. I made that happen. She didn't look that good in person, but I edited it. Um, and you get this beautiful edited photo. Then, yeah, you get this rush of dopamine. You get this head of, like, look what I did. And that is part of the reward system. In our That's brain. your reward system. That's natural. Gotcha. So the reason why we have that is, like, an evolutionary response. That if you were starving and you're hunting for, you know, buffalo, you eat it, and then you feel good, you get this reward it increases that behavior to want to do that again. So you right. continue to survive and yeah, thrive yeah. and live. So the whole population survives, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we need reward to motivate us to continue living on, right. to keep doing those things, right, right. joie de vie or however you want to call it. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, does it ever, does that system ever get twisted through social media or any of these kind of media platforms in a way that can be harmful to us? Yeah. So this is what my fit brain about your brain online is going to be next week. Okay. Uh, so I guess some, the best example to give is like when I relate it to drugs. Right. We can all be addicted to anything. It right, doesn't right. mean that addiction is bad. So for me, I'm addicted. I was saying in the car right here, I'm addicted to dried mango. Fucking love dried mango. <laughs> give me a slice of that any day, any day. Anytime. anytime you're good. Is dried mango bad? We know if I eat too much, I get blue. I had the first, yes. I love mangoes. I, I've been eating mangoes for a while. Yeah. I had my first dried mango last week. Yeah. And I'm like, this thing is amazing. I know. <laughs> There's no sulfites added, no added sugars. It cost yeah. me like $18 for a bag, but <laughs> totally worth it. So again, I, I crave this mango. Right. I eat it, I get this reward, then you can kind of create this addictive behavior. This is right. how we create habits, but like there's right. healthy habits and good habits. I study for an exam, I get a good mark, I'm now in the cycle of always wanting to study hard so I get the good mark and I right, feel better right. about myself. So if social media in this world of, there's two things, there's instant gratification, which is one aspect, that we're constantly getting this dopamine rush online. Mm-hmm. Different than anything else we've ever experienced in the world. So right. this reward part of our brain is something called the paleomammalic brain, which means it's from... Say a, that again a little bit slower so everyone pa- Paleomammalian brain. Paleomammalian. Okay, yeah. got it. So it just Sorry. means paleo, <laughs> just think it's like real old, think yeah. like you're looking at like prehistoric stuff. Right. So if you think of the evolution of man, we have like a really small brain and right. then it grows right, and right, then right. we finally have this beautiful big forefront. Especially when you look at other like species as well, Exactly. Right? So we're looking at species. So like we're the highest cognitive function... Func- functioning species that we know and that's all because of this frontal part right the reward center is paleomammalic yeah so spiders need to know 
what's a good place to like hide in the web to go and get their prey and then come back. So right. they have that same sort of, I don't know if the spider's a good example, yeah. reward processing or monkeys or apes. But some sort of almost like, I don't want to call it binary, but some sort of simple form of that Very same. simplistic. Yeah. I like this. It worked out. Let's go back. I yeah. like this. It worked out. Rinse, go repeat, back. Rinse, repeat. Let's keep doing. Yeah. So when it comes to something like cocaine or some sort of substance that's actually highly addictive, has other properties besides just dopamine, right, right. then you keep going back for the hit. On social media, we keep getting these dopamine hits over and over and over right. again that our body responds in the best way it can by attenuating that system. So it means that it dampens down. Okay. So if you take cocaine one day, right. best experience of your life. Yeah, just a typical Friday afternoon. Typical Friday, typical Friday. Yeah. Then you go do it again, that response is not going to be the same. You're never going to be as high as that first time. Right. You almost need a greater dose to get to that same level because your body is like, whoa. This and a, is lot a lot of drugs of work in that way where you need more to you actually get more. that same exactly. feeling. Exactly. Same with alcohol. You kind of just, our body knows how to adapt to things right. when it's uh, an extreme, let's say. Right. So with social media, maybe at first you get 10 likes and a photo, you're like, oh, wow, someone likes my work? Like, yeah, yeah. cool. And then the next time you're like, oh, I always get 10. Like, maybe I can get 20. And then you, your baseline's now 20, now it's 100, now it's 1,000. Like, oh, right. I need. You need more and more and more and more, more because right. you're not getting that same that same great hit. Like, so it is like, like an my addiction. appreciation. I mean, I'm not saying this is true. It's like if I had a thousand followers, and then yeah. next month I got a th- I got a, I added a hundred more. Yeah. The next month I added fifty more. Yeah. It's like I don't get that same feeling in a way. Like, is it is it that essentially? Yeah. I mean, it's different for everyone. So it could be any arbitrary number, but that that comparison of saying like, well, it's not as much as that, or it's not more than that, so it's not the same sort of response. Yeah, yeah, it, it can, it can, it can vary for every single individual. It's not right. studied enough to be that quantified of exactly right, right, like right. this is what you need or this dose or this amount. Gotcha. Um, it's so individually dependent. So right, right, right. it's your relationship that you have with your platforms online. Gotcha. So social media is a one-dimensional platform. Right. It's to share photos. It's to engage in a social level and to receive feedback. And that's so one-dimensional. Say just like one, you know. Yeah, it's it's it's. What, it's not. It's not your life. You put in something. You it's something just. Out. It's, yeah. It's a simple thing. It's a. It's a photo app. If you had like a Tamagotchi, we think it's so simple and stupid. Right, right. It's the exact same thing as social media, but right. we blow it up as this huge reality. Right. Um, so that's why I say addiction. It's a really. I, I've never heard it in that way. Mm-hmm. I never thought about it in that way. Yeah. Because you know, me being this kind of like tech kind of person. Yeah. I think of like a spiraling web. This kind of like ecosystem. Oh, of yeah. social media. But your definition is, is almost beautifully simplistic. Yeah. You're putting something in and you're getting a response out. And that's yeah. all it is. Well, it is. It's really ah. simple. But again, it's your relationship with yourself. So your life online is a direct reflection of your life offline. Interesting. So if I'm... If, so what I do with myself, before I go online, I, online, I ask myself, why do I need to go on social media right now? What right. am I seeking as a human being first before I need to go online to seek, is it, is it validation? Interesting. Is it entertainment, perhaps? That's okay. Right. Am I looking for comments, likes? Do I need more followers? Do I need, like, what is it and what am I lacking? Am I going online from a place of, of plenty, that I'm whole, I'm a complete person, then I go online? Yeah. Or am I going online from a place of desperation, from emptiness, from something that I'm not fulfilling in my real life, in my, in my reality, in my, in my physical presence and being, that I'm now seeking it on this one-dimensional online platform where the only thing that I can get is defined by a like, a follow, or a comment. 
And now I'm basing these three things on this huge thing, which is like my self-worth. That's, that's hard. That's tough. That's huge. What we, this, this is one of those things that we actually cut out and put on Instagram and like make it like that 15 second sell. So you go back and watch the entire episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, really, I mean, that's an amazing thing. It's simple too. just ask yourself before you even go on the app. Yeah. Why are you going there? Yeah. Wow. Or why am I, so an exercise, I guess we remember all, I can tell you now, but it's supposed to be a surprise on Wednesday. Don't worry. No one's going to see this before <laughs> your keto. It won't be ready by so then. So Wednesday, we're actually going to do an exercise. So everyone's going to have a piece of paper at the end of the event. Um, you don't have to do it there. Or you can do it at home. But it's what are the three things? What's your mantra? Or what's your, I guess, your reflective piece before you post? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that you know that you're still whole. You're complete without putting this out in the world. Mm-hmm. And then just making sure that it aligns with who you are. Your vision. Are you being genuine? Are you being authentic? Are you being truthful? Are you living into yourself? Right. So everyone has their own Instagram persona or right. why you share. So for me, I've defined my Instagram as a place for education. So I want to share knowledge. I want knowledge translation. I want my post to be giving you something that maybe you wouldn't have known before or reminding you of something that you should be reminded of. Like, hey, go fucking work out today because it's good for your brain health. I don't care if you got abs. I don't care what your butt looks like. Like, those things piss me off so much. But I know that if you do work out today, you're not going to have, or you have a a lower risk of dementia later on in life. And that's also an economic advantage for Canada. Yeah. So I'm thinking global. (laughs) Right. It's huge. Yeah. Um, so for me, is it knowledgeable? Is it, is it funny? I like being funny. I come from like two actor families. I like being light and comical. I don't like it always being too remorse, but the third is also, is it, is it truthful? Is it genuine? Is Mm -hmm. it actually me? Did it, is this real life? Yeah. Yeah. So when I post about Mexico and it's like, you know, three weeks after I came back from Mexico, Am I just trying to brag by the fact that I went to Mexico and look at me all tanned and yeah, pretty? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Or am I trying to share still something knowledgeable and enlightening? Is it comical? And I'm saying, hey, I'm actually in bed right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. peeling to, my to, tan. To try to truly give value. Yeah. So I, I want it to be authentically me, honest, genuine, knowledgeable, and a little bit yeah. funny. So before I post, I go through this checklist. Like, is this living into my value system? Is this living into my brand, perhaps? Especially a lot of professional Instagrammers. And then when I post, I'm not attached to it. I'm not worried. I'm not vulnerable. Of like, oh, I put this out here. Like, who's going to think what? Like, I am whole and complete. If no one likes it, no one comments on it. This is for me. This is my brand. This is what I stand for. If someone doesn't accept that, all right, I don't need to work with you. I don't need you to like me. I feel a little sense of validation because there's some things I really resonate with. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. we, we built this whole thing. The whole group, the whole Risky Fox, that whole umbrella of what we do yeah. is creativity shared. Yeah. We're going to make content and we're yeah. going to show you how to make it yeah. and nothing makes us happier than seeing other people create content and the byproduct of what makes us like want to do more is to meet like interesting people doing dope shit like yeah, in all yeah. different kinds of fields. Um, that's one thing and right now like me personally like I measure success. I'll go back maybe the next day or the day after putting content to see growth. Yeah. Like, I really don't care what the number is as an absolute. I just right. want to see, like, okay, last week I put out this video. Mm-hmm. What was the growth like? Oh, there's actually 21 people that subscribed. Cool. Yeah. And for me, it's just like, okay, people like this content. Right. So that's kind of how I see it. So I think I'm on the right track. But it's... Oh, you're, but you're, you're... Yeah, you're one in a million, though. You guys are sharing how you... One, you're not, you're not holding on to your shit. You're sharing right. with the world... 
to inspire others and give them a platform to grow. Right, right, So right, I think right. that's sort of similar to, I guess, what I also want to do. Is well, this like, is why I, I want wanna... to work with you because you were literally doing the same thing yeah. in a totally different, like, almost niche environment, yeah. right? I don't need to hold on to my knowledge. Like, I want to give it because, I guess, the better, I'll only get better if everyone else around me gets better. Right, it's right, not right. a singular path. It's a unity. We're all in this together. I'm not here to compete against you. Yeah. I'm here to strive with you. Huge. So... Absolutely love what you're doing. And then, again, I think, of course, we want our followership to grow. We want mm-hmm. people to see our stuff because that means that we're attaining our goal of reaching more people. Right. It's not coming from this egotistical sense of, like, people don't like me if they don't watch my video. It's yeah. coming from, like, hmm, you know what? This isn't useful for people, this content. Yeah. But they did really like it when I showed Julia's butt. So, like, maybe I can no, just get it. <laughs> they did really like it when I talked about these topics or I talked about lighting this way. Right, like, right, right. You right. know what? This is probably the need in the, in the community. Yeah. Let me help serve them exactly. with that. So I think that's a really healthy approach. And you yeah. can have the best relationship with social media. You can have – you're not addicted to it. You're using it as a platform for growth. Like, the world online, you can make a ton of money, too. Right. So like, of course. Do what you got to do. Just go online from a place of wholeness, from happiness, from being complete, then post, then share. But if you come from a place, again, of just that vulnerability, emptiness, and seeking validation through it, you're putting yourself into a very vulnerable position Mm -hmm. that can Mm -hmm. mess with your mental health. Again, really precarious because it can snowball on something totally worse and infect other parts of your life. That's that's huge. I don't want to hard cut to another subject entirely, but I want to kind of go down the path of like, healthy living as well because yeah. you know part of it having a healthy relationship with social media is important but also yeah. i feel like make sure other parts of your life are healthy as yeah. well so you can be healthy there is important too totally. like i said your reflection your online presence is a reflection of your actual life like what's going on so right right if you if you have all your eggs in one basket like i'm gonna be an online person you're not living a healthy so life for for creatives out there, for people that are photographers, videographers, mm-hmm. artists, singers, what have you, podcasters, yeah, what can they do outside of their craft to actually better that experience? You know, and so that they can create content, but in a healthy way. Totally. Uh, what are uh, some simple things? And you know, everyone's gonna say exercise, exercise, exercise. Yeah. I know you're gonna talk about it as well, but that's sometimes a hard I'll thing to. I'll go a little to... deeper. I'll go a little deeper than that. So let's go mind and body. So from a mind perspective. The best way to be creative, I think, is by not defining yourself by your craft. So if I asked you, what are Wait, you? Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, yeah. just, it's so counterintuitive. Okay, hold on. Don't, so if I asked you, yeah. what, who are you? What are you? I am a content creator. Okay, stop. Yeah. What are you, but who are you? Like, what are you without saying that you're a content creator? Who yeah. are you? A human being. Okay, yeah. Okay. What else? Uh, father, Father, husband. yeah, husband, cool, yeah. Um... Speaker, yeah. contributor. Yeah. Uh, You're a big thinker. Thinker, personality yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So those are things. Being a big thinker, that translates into everything that you do. You could do a million things. Being okay. a father, those values of giving, of selflessness, translate into everything you do. Right, right, right. So I think sometimes content creators, because you're looking at your craft constantly, you're so defined by your product of what you create. You don't think of yourself as this, creative, thoughtful, wonderful, generous person. Yeah. So I think from a mind perspective, if creative individuals just see themselves as a holistic person, not just Beyonce is the singer, that she's a dancer, a choreographer, she's a thinker, that she's a philanthropist, she's a mother, she's a, yeah. she's a wife. Being that full person in your job, I think, makes it a little bit easier. So you don't put that stress on yourself like, 
I'm a content creator. I just yeah. have to create this beautiful masterpiece of whatever yeah. that is. Uh, I think that's really healthy for you. Right. One way to accomplish that is obviously the physical aspect of what you actually do. Yeah. Your words are only so much. You can manifest your reality, but also fucking live into it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, exercise is so good for your brain. Uh, it's actually the most powerful neuromodulator right. on your brain. So right. that means that exercise, if it were to take your brain, if I was the physical representation of exercise, I could fucking twist and manipulate and just create this beautiful, yeah, yeah. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful brain. Right, right, right. So it's the best version of you if you're exercising. And, and, and when we talk about exercise, again, yeah. uh, not to toot my own home, but my background is kinesiology, five years, graduated with honors. Uh, I don't know if I told you that. No, I didn't uh, know that. But, you know, three years Should in, I'm I? like, I don't want to touch people for a living, so... <laughs> Let me, hey, this is me being very honest. Yeah, Let me yeah. just get the degree, make my parents happy, and I'm just going to chase my dreams and what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. But, you know, we talk about types of exercise and, and the impacts on the body. Mm-hmm. Is it still the case where mostly aerobic exercise uh, often leads to the best uh, kind of, you know, I guess, benefits for most of the population in terms of health benefits? Um, right. Or is it kind of changed, you know, yeah. in the decade that I've been in university? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a couple answers. So one, any type of exercise is better than no exercise. Okay. So if I tell someone you need to do a HIIT workout, it needs to be right. blah, 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 like right. no one's going to do as it. As long as you're working out some fashion, it's still better than zero. Yeah. Okay. And then the second thing is that what's accessible, right? right? Not everyone can afford a gym. Nope. Not everyone can afford fucking Barry's boot camps, $35 a class. Right. Hell no. Right, I right, can't right. even afford it. Right. Um, walking. Walking has the most research for being the most beneficial just for like longevity, accessibility, right. increasing lifespan, increasing cognitive health. Right. Walk. Everyone takes streetcars, subways, taxis, Ubers. People Uber from like one block away. I'm like, bitch, she's, yeah. you walk. I know you're in heels. Yeah. Walk, yeah. And walk slow. You'll be fine. <laughs> Use your arms. Um, What's like a minimum you'd quantify as an amount of walking you should do if you can? Like if you were to say, say listen, yeah. you're, you're a content creator, so you're somewhat active because you're doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I would recommend X amount of minutes for you to walk per day. Right. That would so, that, actually give you an impact on your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. So it depends on like your speed and like if you're getting your heart rate yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, for me, I power walk the shit out of the city. I am like everywhere, like six bags, like yeah, going yeah. for it. So I could only walk for 20 minutes and really get my heart rate up because I'm going right, pretty fast. Right. If you're just going to walk casually, I'd say walk for half an hour minimum. Right. Minimum. Uh, if you can get up to an hour, amazing. Or yeah. 45 minutes, that's great. But I'd say 30 minutes minimum if you're just walking. Right, right, right. If you're really power walking like me and I'm an extreme, like I'm like Olympic power walker, I got like the hip cycle. <laughs> Um, You're just like this. Yo, just yeah, like this yeah. You don't way. even see me. I'm like, hey, how's it going? And, like the conversation's <laughs> over before it's like going. Um, so yeah, it, that would be my recommendation. 30 minutes. Awesome. If you had to walk. Okay. And then in terms of like what's the big fun research, like what's good for your brain. Yeah. Aerobic exercise has always been great. We know that. Yeah. Uh, so that's jogging, that's walk, power walking. Like these things are fantastic. But again, getting your heart rate up, sustaining it for 30 minutes, beautiful. HIIT workouts are really hot right now, so high-intensity interval training. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's because it's short bursts of energy, and there's less stress put on the body because right. you're working for, let's say, 40 seconds, yeah, resting for 20. Yeah. Working for 40 the, seconds, the, resting the, the for 20. The total volume is actually crunched down, but the intensity is so high. Yeah, high intensity. You're getting your you're burning calories. Your heart rate sustained and right. really high. But because you're not sustaining your heart rate super high for two hours like a marathon trainer, right. the stress on your body is a little bit less. So our brain, our body cannot differentiate between physical stress, cognitive stress, 
stress is the same. Stress mm -hmm. is CO2, stress mm -hmm. is oxidative uh, reactions in your body. Right, right, right. So. Stress is stress, and you can't beat stress is stress. So if you're stressed out at work, yeah. I wouldn't say, like, go run for two hours and fucking pump weights and then go sprint on the treadmill. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's, like, a bell curve where there's, like, you stress and then there's distress. So, like, yeah. you stress is the good stress, and there's a, a, a sort of a, a start so, so, and an end to it. Sorry, you stress is what, – what causes you stress? You stress is beneficial stress. So that means that if like what, I – What would create beneficial stress, for example? Um, your kid – your – your kid, your kid puts pressure on you to like come to soccer game. But oh, okay. he puts a little bit of pressure on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you weren't like you didn't want to go otherwise. But it's good trust for you to do it. Or right, your boss right. is like, hey, uh, would you be able to get those photos to me on Friday? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay. I mean, so I just got to edit them. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's a, I'm putting stress on you to get shit done. Yeah, like you need motivation. You yeah. gotta you gotta do. It's good things. for you. It's good for the environment. Yeah, Everybody and that's stress. Yeah. And like same with working out. Like you put a bit of stress in your body. Like you go for a workout. You go for right. a run. Right. You're not killing yourself in the workout. That's you stress. Right. Distress is when people are doing like Barry's boot camp in the morning, and then they're doing Barry boot camp in the evening, and in the afternoon they're doing like an L fitness workout, and they're like mm. just like. Killing their body Almost unnecessarily putting their body mm -hmm. through these things. Exactly. So that's distress. And then distress at work would be like chronic stress that you're dealing with. Like your boss is like, I need those photos yesterday, actually, yeah. bro. Uh, so you're like, cool. I can't actually handle I can't do yeah. anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's good stress and bad stress. So understanding that it comes the same to workouts. It's great that millennials care so much about training. Yeah. But just knowing you don't need to do that much. Don't do nothing. Right. But do something every day. And that's amazing. Or at yeah. least... Three to four times a consistent a volume over a period of time. Exactly. Right, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I want to go back to the, the, the holistic view that you talked about because yeah. it resonated with me because, you know, you know, people, you know, there's the meme of like, I am who I am, bro. I don't change who I am. Yeah. I'm just me. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Whereas I'm, I'm the person, I wear different hats. Like when I go into the office, I'm in that mode. When yeah. I'm creating content on the side, I'm in that mode. When I'm a husband, dad, like, I'm in that mode. It's like Game of Thrones with the man of the faces. <laughs> oh, it, that is exactly how I almost see myself. Yeah. Uh, so what you said kind of resonated because, yeah, because when I'm in that creative mode, I'm not almost tapping into all the other things that, mm -hmm. you know, might be beneficial to what I'm doing in front of me. Yeah. Um, how would you, like, is there exercise that you can recommend to, you know, creatives out there and content creators in general um, that can maybe allow them to pull from that or... Um, or is it just I, I, like no, questions no. you can ask yourself? Yeah, or? no, I totally understand what you're saying. I think when it comes to you being at work and you are that creator, you, you're, you have that hat on, be that hat, absolutely. Right. But I mean, when you leave work and maybe it didn't go that well, don't define yourself by like your creative work. Just know that you're a full person. Right. Because then if you're stressed and you're beating yourself down and you're self-deprecating, that's when you're not creative the next day. That's when like you need to show up and you're not showing up. Because you're not managing the stuff outside of work or you're bringing that shit in back into yeah, work. Yeah. So when you when you have the camera, be that person. You are the photographer. You're not daddy then. Yeah, you're not yeah, like yeah. husband then. You are like Mr. Photographer. Do your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Own it. Be it. Like represent it. Right. But if it isn't going well, just know that you aren't defined by your success in what you do. You're defined right. by who you are as a person Huge. first. Yeah. Now, one of the things I, you know, I, and I'd like to see if you can add some scientific insight behind it, but one yeah. of the things I do every week, it's called the Mind Sweep. Okay. Uh, it's from a book called Getting Things Done by David Allen. But what it is, essentially, Sunday morning, I wake up before everyone else, yeah. take a blank piece of paper, I cut into four quadrants. I have yeah. the work, hustle, 
uh, my health, and then my anything around oh, the house. I love it. Okay, what yeah. I do is I literally just dump everything that is either needs to get done or is right. like outstanding. Just dump it all there, and then I try to take that and put it into my project management app, right? Yeah. And all the actions that need to be done. So for home, very organized, can, type A personality. Very type Hello, a, yeah. Very type <laughs> a. Um, so what I do is like you know groceries, laundry, blah blah, blah all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Record this podcast, all these yeah, kind of yeah, things. Yeah. Uh, is there a sort what, what's sort of the benefit of that or am I overworking myself in that way like, oh I think that's amazing but you're, you're preaching to the choir right now I right. got like a million spreadsheets going on my computer so I mean scientifically like you're you're organized you're yeah. being proactive to help prevent distress later on right right right, right. so I think that's and that's the great. other one I do uh, I, I'm listen I shouldn't say this because I probably do it like once a month is yeah. journaling right where mm-hmm. it actually just literally kind of purge almost my emotions and how I feel and that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, is that important to any of this? Like, is there any real value in that? Or is it more of a movement that's saying, oh, you should journal. It's totally good for you. <laughs> that's the journal company. Like, buy our Yeah, journals. buy Five journals. Journal. <laughs> there is benefit to, to journaling for your brain health. Absolutely. Right. I'm not an expert in that field by any means. Gotcha. But this is, I feel like there's just like a lot of advice on the internet. Everyone's like pushing stuff on. You need to journal. Yeah. You need to like art therapy's good. Fucking get a coloring book now, and then journal, and then like yeah. create all these different things. So, I think it just comes down to do the things that bring you joy and happiness. Try it. Be creative. Like right. try journaling. If it if it brings you more pain and anger having to journal, <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah. You know. So, if journaling works for you, fucking journal. Right. And if you know it works for you and you don't do it, then, yeah, maybe make reminders to get yeah, into that yeah, habit yeah. to do it. But I would never tell someone, like, you need to journal. Yeah. You need to, like, color. You need to create these spreadsheets because how I function is yeah. totally different than how you function. How you function and how your brain is wired and organized and how you manage your stress can be totally different than someone else. Yeah, yeah. But it's I think when we want to help people, we usually put our shit onto others. Like, oh, no, bro, like, this is how you do it. Or someone yeah. just needs to like just be heard be like this is what I'm going for and I'm so guilty good. of that because I'm always you know for me the journaling is great when I, I feel like I'm you know reaching distress you know yeah, and, yeah. and I just purge my thoughts I'm like whew I'm done you feel good um, yeah I, but the weekly thing I'm always saying oh you gotta do this you gotta do this yeah, but, yeah. You know, oh I'm guilty you, of it too thank yeah. you for you know mentioning that sometimes what's good for us is not good for others no totally and it's and everyone's great to brain advice, reacts differently yeah exactly and right. uh, it was funny Martin's sister we were on the phone with her and she wasn't, because uh, her father just passed away. And yeah. I think when someone's sad or hurt, we just, oh, we want to help. And, like, we, me and Marge, we didn't realize that we're both in the car, like, speaking at the same time, like, trying yeah. to get our You should work out. You should talk to this person. You should do that. Yeah. Da, 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 da. And she was just like, can you guys stop with the unsolicited advice? Like, yeah. I just want to be hurt. I just want to talk. I'm like, yeah. oh, shit. I'm, like, not even listening to my own advice I give people. Yeah, and it's I, just I, like, I, I learned it this lesson. Good intentions, I right? learned this lesson the hard way with my wife, uh, you know, whatever, it's work or something, she's talking to me. And, you know, yeah. newly married couple. Yeah. And it took a while, but it's just like, you know, her telling me, like, I don't want you to give me a solution. Yeah. yeah. I just want you to listen. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it was it was a hard thing because, like, you know, you love someone, you want to help them. Yeah. You're like, can I, can I do That's this for you? Can I do that for yeah, you? Yeah. All this kind Let's of stuff. Let's solve this problem, Mike. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, yeah. we got to a place where it's like, no, I'm going to shut up and listen. Let me just mm-hmm. put my ego aside. Yeah. And you tell me how I can help. Yeah. Being a better listener, I think, is something everyone can approve on yeah if someone's setting like 2019 like new year's resolutions right now it's like maybe try to listen just a little bit 
longer before you impose your opinion, right, your suggestion. Right, right, right. And sometimes what we want to say next in the conversation is repeating in our brain. Yeah. So we're not even listening. So yeah. this active listening, I think, is so important. Huge, yeah. huge. We use the word, uh, I, don't, I, mean, I, I definitely didn't coin it, but authentic listening, right? Mm. But like, whatever it is, with you know, giving everything when you're hearing someone out, yeah. right? That's surface level, huge. Yeah. So I want to talk about screen time now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of a hard transition, but, you know, a lot of jobs, you're in front of a screen. Yeah. And then you're doing, you know, your content, you're in front of a screen. Yeah. And then you're publishing your content, you're on a smaller screen. You're just all... Like, <laughs> I mean, some phones are like this big nowadays. This but, is true. Yeah. I just walk around with a tablet like this. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll be honest, I am in front of a screen for the large part of my day. And yeah. I try to escape that, whether it's through my commute or interacting with people or just petting my dog, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, how can we make it better or alleviate some of the pains of always being in front of a screen? Like, is outside of the answer of yeah. like just get out, and stop looking well, at it. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Why is it bad to be in front of a screen? Um, I've I've always had this predisposition that being in front of a screen is bad for you. Okay. Uh, it started when I was two, and my mom saying, "Don't sit so close. You're gonna burn your eyes, be cross-eyed, and you're never gonna be able to see again." Yeah. Um, or like people running away from the microwave, it just like screams. Yeah, and I think inherently, it's like you look at the sun; it's bright, it stings your eyes. Yeah. Uh, and you have this mental thing of like, "Oh, if I'm staring at a monitor and it's bright, it doesn't sound painful, but I think this is bad for me." Right. Okay. So maybe that's kind yeah. of what it is. Do you know what blue light is? I've heard of blue light. What do you think it is? So I see it as like most screens. Um, they emit this kind of like uh, temperature, color mm-hmm. temperature mm-hmm. that almost tells your brain that it's a certain time of day when it's yeah. not. Am yeah, I? okay. So let's bring you back. You're a smart guy. Yeah. Bring you back to physics class. Welcome. Right. Hi, I'm Julie. I'll be your Nice to meet today. you. Hi. Oh, God. Why'd it have to be physics? Okay, continue. <laughs> I like physics. Okay, so there's something called electromagnetic energy. Okay. So we short form that to EM. Right. And this energy comes in the form of waves. Right. So light is a type of electromagnetic energy. Right. So when I talk about EM waves, the one type is going to, is going to be light. Right. And light comes in a spectrum. So if you ever look at a rainbow, that's a reflection yeah. right? of like what the sun is actually white light, but right. it's a bunch of different colors that come together to form white light. Right. So you have light that has more energy and light that has a little bit less energy. So if you looked at the rainbow, the short form for it is Roy G. Biv. Mm-hmm. So you have red, orange, green, Biv, B. <laughs> anyway, uh, blue and then violet. violet. Yeah. So that goes from lowest frequency into highest frequency. Gotcha. So the higher frequency, the more energy. So if you think of red light, you think of something that's really warm colors. So right, right, right. what's warm? Fire, let's right. say, for example, right. or when a sun's setting. And it's very nurturing, these yeah, colors. Yeah. If you think of like an infrared sauna, so on this electromagnetic spectrum, you have the visible light spectrum. And then after red, you have infrared light. Gotcha. So we go into a sauna. We spend all this money to thought to be an infrared because it's soothing. Or if you go to, if you had like knee problems, like you probably right, played right. a bunch of sports too, that you get like laser therapy and it's red light, right? right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's stimulating and healing. Then on the other end of that spectrum, the blues and the violets, there's no sun setting that's blue that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But the blue light just above it is ultraviolet light. Mm-hmm. And if I tell you, oh, do you like ultraviolet light? You'd be like, oh, whoa, man, I put on sunscreen. Like, yeah, UVs yeah. are so bad. And we always... You're like, always protecting yeah, against it. Yeah, we hate UV and we love infrared. So now if we go to, like, what's beside it. We have warm lights and we have blue light. So blue yeah. light, the highest source of what we're, where we see it in the world is the sun. Mm-hmm. So the sun is the biggest source of blue light. 
And you're right, that's how we tell the time of day, historically speaking, is the sun setting and the sun, um, well, the sun rising, the sun setting. So when the sun sets, it's red, it tells us to go to bed. When it's rising, it's nice and bright, we have this strong blue light, we know it's the daytime. So our eyeballs, it's getting really, now, okay, physics is done, now we're moving to biology class, hello, also your teacher. (laughs) Uh, So we have our eyeball. At the back of our eyeball, so when we light travels through the lens, it hits the back, which is called your retina. Right. And there's these retinal ganglion cells that are neurons that then go synapse in our brain. All of these... I really hope our listeners understand because, I, I mean, I took a couple of classes on this. So oh, yeah. Me, I've like, done this a million. Yeah. I'm like, oh, of yeah. I, I remember talking about this. So I'm excited. So our listeners, please rewind and... Rewind. Yeah. yeah. Pause it. Look up what ganglia means <laughs> and come back to it. But go on. That's irrelevant. So we have the retinal ganglion cells. We have these brain cells at the back. And they just tell you what you're seeing. Right. So right now, you actually have a picture of me. It's actually inverted. Right. It goes to the back of your brain. It's like, and your, Julia. Your brain yeah. kind of repositions you. It. So that's yeah. how we see. But there's these specific subset of cells yeah. that only take in blue light. So everything else takes in every other spectrum of light. So they have orange and red and blue and green. Yeah. Yeah. The blue light ones don't go to your visual cortex to tell you what you're seeing. They actually go to the center part of your brain. It's in your hypothalamus. It's right. called your, oh my gosh, I'm like forgetting my own speeches now. Your suprachiasmatic nucleus. Thank okay. you. Your SCN. So this was recently discovered, actually not the most recent Nobel uh, Prize, the one before that. I know nothing about that. And I, I remember writing an exam and not knowing, knowing that as an answer yeah. to the exam. But continue. Yeah. So your SCN is known as your master clock. Right. So it essentially just tells us what time of day it is. Right. I see blue light, it's daytime. I see these red nurturing lights, oh, it's probably the sun setting. Right. I should probably go to bed soon. And, and I'll let you continue, but just a quick yep. question. Blue light itself doesn't inherently mean something that's reflect, reflecting blue. Like that pillar is blue. That's not reflecting blue light per se. No, no, no. That's exactly. Totally different. That's yeah, color. yeah. Blue light is a different. Again, we're talking about wavelength. Wavelength, exactly. Gotcha, so gotcha. this is. I want to ask a question out loud because exactly. I, I imagine somebody might be watching or listening to this and be like, "Wait, is it just when I see like, blue? When I see blue? Yeah. No." <laughs> and so if you think of the sun, I think that's the easiest way. Just something so bright. It's the brightest. Yeah. Light that you can see almost yeah. is that like blue light. Yeah. So now if we go to 21st century living, we're no longer cavemen seeing the sun yeah. rise and fall. Yeah. We have blue light to make our phones look really bright and beautiful. So right. like it adds that. Uh, like Manufacturers want to sell these devices. So whether it's your TV or iPad, they make it super, super bright. As much blue light as possible yeah. so that you, your pictures look beautiful. Like right. sometimes looking on photos online, it's much better than everyday life. Like yeah. you can just enhance the color of it. Right. So 21st century living again, we're on our computers all day long is fine it's actually daytime the issue is at night when you're editing photos at like midnight because you have something due the next morning and they want those like that video or that photo you're on instagram and you're swiping through photos and scrolling up and down yeah your body is now your brain is now realizing that it's daytime because those receptors are saying blue light it tells your master clock hey it's daytime don't release melatonin we're not going to sleep that's every yet. time you're being exposed to that yeah you're continuously just telling yeah scm yeah, that yeah. it's daytime. Yeah, exactly. So when I wanted to stay up late at night when I was studying, I would actually take my phone. I'd look at it as like close to my eyeballs as I could to try and Trick. retrain my clock to go to phase back an hour. And does that work actually mm-hmm. for people that are studying for an exam? Oh, yeah. Stay okay. at your computer is so much easier. If you're reading a book in a dark room, you're going to fall asleep. Yeah. So the issue is, so the clock isn't just in our brain. Mm-hmm. This clock gene is actually in every single cell of our body. So everything has a circadian rhythm. Right, so right, circa right. meaning a circle, yeah. dia about a day. So yeah. this 
cyclic cycle about a day, our, our body doesn't work 24 seven. Right. You don't work 24 seven. So our, our liver is not working every hour of the day. Yeah, it takes yeah. breaks per se. Our right. stomach takes breaks. We can't digest food at all times. Yeah. So we know we're going to eat as much as I would like to. Yeah. We can. So you've probably been there where you come home late at night at midnight, you eat food really late and it sits in your stomach all night and it's just like not digesting yeah. or whatever your experience is, our, those cells are turned off. But when we're seeing blue light, now things get out of sync. So right. if you look at research on people that do shift work, unfortunately, like yeah. nurses or people that work like a cleaning job late at night. Right, right. Or have like they work like four days super, super hard and then they have three days off. Yeah, exactly. Kind of yeah, Their yeah. lifespan is actually shortened. Their mortality rate is much higher yeah. because they don't have a really good circadian rhythm, that their wow. body's not in sync. There's no longer the syncrasy because it's like it's daytime, it's nighttime, it's daytime, it's nighttime. So then everything's out of whack. Nothing's working at the same time. You might get liver cancer. Uh, you might get this. working harder than it has to. Working harder than it has to and then it stops working all together. Like yeah. you start getting kidney failures. Like why are my kidneys not working well? Because they've been working overload for so long because they didn't right. know when to work, when not to work. Am I digesting? Am I resting? Like, yeah. what's happening? So it's not just a brain disease of what time it is that's getting messed up. It's our whole body has a clock gene. Interesting. Yeah. So that's all <laughs> happening when you're looking at something with blue light. And here's yeah. the thing. With these newer devices, certain iPhones, uh, they can change the color of the screen. Yeah. You can adjust your laptop, download an app that changes the color. Yeah, Flux. Is that actually – yeah, Flux is one of them. Yeah. Um, I, I love it. Yeah. Um, is that actually taking out the blue light, though, or is it just like an Instagram filter? Yeah, yeah. To my knowledge, it is taking out the blue light, so okay. it's making it like those warm yellow lights. Gotcha, um, gotcha. It's not probably great for creative people who are trying to edit a photo, so... And I was just going to say, like, you know, well, let's go into it. You know, I, I, don't, I, I hate sounding preachy whenever we do these recordings, but yeah. one thing that I recently did, you know, I, I was a typical creative. Stay up late, power through, get it done, yeah. sleep in. If I have to go in, like, okay, I'm cutting my sleep short and going to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, but recently, the last few months, what I started doing is like, no, by 10 to 10.30, I'm going to try to get to bed. Mm-hmm. And it started off at 6.30, then at 5.30, and now it's 4.30 I wake up, and I try to put in the hours in the morning. Interesting. And okay, no matter yeah. what, try to get that six and a half to seven hours, because I feel like that's my sweet spot. Yeah. Um, is there research to say that being a morning person and, and, and putting yourself to go that way as opposed to going into the night, yeah. is it good for your overall rhythm and systems or so, does it matter to each person? Great question. It depends on what you're doing. So for your situation, I think that's the best possible thing you could be doing because you're on a computer, right? You're right. you're on screen. So yeah. for you to be on a screen late at night, it's changing your clock. And especially if you're not going to bed at all, that's when things sort of get messed right, up. Right, right, right. So if you're more entrained with the sun, that's amazing. Yeah. But... Everyone has a different time that they like to go to bed at. Some people are more night hawks, some people are more morning people. Yeah. So if someone likes going to bed at 11, but they sleep in, they still get a good amount of sleep, they have a natural circadian rhythm. Right. I think it's when it's irregular that you sleep a lot for four days, and then all of a sudden you're up to midnight, then, you're, then you have shift work. If it's constantly changing, I think mm-hmm. that's the problem. But if it's consistent, then that's, that's okay too. Right, right, that's right. just like what your new clock is. Gotcha, gotcha. So there's yeah. no like set one way that's the best, but if you are in front of a screen, yeah, like probably in the morning is gotcha. probably best because then you are seeing light. But if yeah. you wake up, let's say at you went to bed at two a.m. because you're doing work, yeah, then you see the sunlight coming in through your window and your body yeah. catches it just for a second, then it starts getting confused. It already it starts. knows that it's yeah. So it's even in a couple of seconds, it kind yeah. of yeah. 
Yeah, it just takes a couple of seconds for your body to be like, oh, it's actually daytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that feeling when you've gone to bed late and you see the sun coming in, you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to pretend that it's dark out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, outside of the stuff that we already talked about, what are some other things that you'd recommend for people that are in creative work that not necessarily living the healthiest lifestyle, but like, right. again, on that grind um, to sort yeah. of better their lives outside of like the exercise, you know, your circadian rhythm, all that kind of stuff, the screens that you look at. Is there anything else that you would recommend? Diet's a big part. So it I'm... was a leading question because <laughs> you know, let's let's get into it. Um, what I've learned is like really, it's like seventy five percent is nutrition, and then the rest is like physical activity. That has a yeah. huge impact on your overall health. Yeah. Uh, would you say that's the case, actually, true, or is there for aesthetic based health? Sure. When people are like ads are made in the kitchen, not oh, in the gym. Right, like right. for sure, it's what you eat. But, but for like... people that are doing work that kind of thing yeah but for if you're not worried about the size of your butt and your biceps which i think is probably a good thing not to worry about um if you're just worried about general physical health exercise is as important as your diet i wouldn't say that one's more important than the other like hey just eat super healthy and don't work out at all no like everything in moderation um so yeah what you eat what you put into your gut directly affects your brain affects your cognitive function affects how fast you can process information how creative you can be so i think when you're on the go as a creative person or if you're at shoots and you're working late usually the food that's accessible to you at that time if you're not cooking is usually the worst especially when you're shooting a wedding that's i mean that's not Food, whatever they're serving is what you have in front yeah, of you. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully it's good. Hopefully it's lamb. Yeah. Hopefully it's turkey or chicken. But, and sometimes uh, it's not the healthiest Sometimes it's too. McDonald's. <laughs> but uh, it's being proactive. So, I mean, we all have our priorities. You have to your little four-box square. Like, yeah. I got my laundry, this. Like, what are, like, okay, let's say three or four diet-related decisions that, let's say me as an example, that I could do mm-hmm. to be a better creative? So, number one would be make your own food. Make your own food? Make your own food. Okay. And... I think that's probably really vague. It doesn't help. So to make your own food, so yeah. like to join on to number one, I call it shopping the perimeter. Okay. So when you walk into a grocery store, don't go to the middle aisles. Avoid everything in the middle of the grocery store and just shop the perimeter. So you walk into a grocery store, yeah. you make a right. There's all the produce section, fresh vegetables, whatever it is that you want to yeah, buy, yeah, veggies, yeah. fruit, herbs, fantastic. Right. You go around to like the bakery. Yeah, maybe don't get the sweets, but, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. fresh bread. Like, if you're not gluten-free like the rest of the world, right. get bread, keep going, eggs, milk, yogurt, make a full circle back around, meats. Sure, you can get some chicken for the week, and then go pay. Because I'm literally yeah. imagining, like, you know, the Longos, the Walmarts, all of yeah. them, like... Everything right, is the perimeter. It's the perimeter. <laughs> the middle stuff, the shelf, the, the, the shelf life on those is preservative, it's added. There's lots of high salts. Yeah. And high sugars. Yeah. And those are both neurotoxins for your brain. Right. So you're killing your brain cells by having that high of sugar and that high of salt. Wow. And that's what you need to preserve stuff on a shelf. Right. But do buy some olive oil. You know, you got to cook with whatever. But it's the the pad thai sauce in a can that is loaded with vegetable oil. That's the most inflammatory thing for your body. Yeah. That's going to kill your brain. You might as well go buy something that's more expensive that yeah. has olive oil in it. Yeah. Uh, so number one tip is, again, cook as much as you can for yourself cook, and shop, shop the perimeter. perimeter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, a quick tangent, what's the best oil to buy? Olive oil. Olive oil. Done. Even if you're frying stuff? Olive oil. Olive oil. So the research would be like, you need canola oil because of like the free radical production. Yeah. There's 
essentially there's this substance that's inside of olive oil that prevents that free radical bullshit theory that I guess, I guess gotcha. the canola oil companies came up with. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Because all this stuff is, is funded by certain industries. Oh well. my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The olive companies. What about and coconut like, oil and MCT? Like, that's all of a trend now. Yeah, I mean... People for are putting it in their coffee and stuff like that. Oh my god, Martin, we'll get into that. I'll love you. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm a very simple person. I just have tea and yeah. water in the morning. Cool. But, um... Yeah, if you're cooking, olive oil, olive oil, olive oil, olive oil. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the first Extra tip. Extra virgin olive oil. Done. V-V-O-O. And I'm, I'm inside, I'm, I'm just so happy because I just, I, olive oil is all I use anyway. Okay. anyway I love another, olive oil. That's another story. I, I drink it. It's so so I'm the kind of person when I travel to different parts of the world. Do you get, bring back I, olive oil? Yeah. I, I brought home three liters and I like got away with it in my suitcase. <laughs> I don't know how you got away with it because I was in Portugal. Same. And I found this like. They had all these kind different kinds mm-hmm. and had like ones with like peppers in them, one with like spice in them. Oh like, yeah. I'm like in olive oil heaven right now. But um, so yeah. that was the number one tip. <laughs> Again, give me two more tips for content creators uh, that they can do, decisions they can do around diet that's better for their work and what they do. Um Okay, so one of them would be shop the perimeter, two would be stay away from vegetable oil. Vegetable oil, okay. Vegetable oil, so good. just olive oil. So that's actually good. Yeah, olive oil, stay away from vegetable oil. Stay away from vegetable oil. And that's then the best works. There you go. The third, so yeah, make your own meals, shop the perimeter, stay away from olive oil. Maybe that's kind of three already. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't want to give too many too many things for people to do, but yeah. the make your own meals just means be proactive. Right, right, right. If you're leaving things to the last minute, you're a victim to your situation. Right. So... You forget to make food. Okay, you're now at the Eden Center. The, the the choices that you have, you've already lost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can maybe say, "Oh, I'll get Jimmy the Greek. It's a little bit better than getting McDonald's." Yeah, yeah they cooked it in vegetable oil, though. Right, like, right, right. Yeah, that chicken comes but has like all these hormones. Like right. that lettuce is actually just like romaine, and it's like now being recalled. Like, yeah, yeah. And you might get a coli. And you might get it. Yeah. So yeah. it's like you're making the best decision based on a shitty situation. You're right. not making a great decision. Right, Your right, great right. decision is making it yourself. Right. And unfortunately, that takes time. That takes executive functioning that yeah. takes processing that means that you need to go to the gym to be able to think a little bit better yeah, so yeah. you can go to the grocery store it, it all adds up together right yeah, so yeah. it's either you're living a healthy life or you're not sometimes it's it's hardly in between maybe well, this will be the third one what you know whatever you can talk about it is yeah. you know one thing i did was in my fridge at home and you know maybe it disappoints a few of the guests that are regularly at my house <laughs> um i got rid of anything that any kind of beverage that has sugar in it Ooh. i just threw it out so when you come open my fridge yeah. It's almost like a barren wasteland, but it's just, I have three jugs of water and water, yeah. cold water is always there. Yeah. And the only thing I'll have other than water at home is tea. But wow. I already know water is good for you. Anything, yeah. Just don't drink things with sugar We're in it. pretty much just water. Right. Um, what water. is sort of that healthy limit? Because sometimes people say it's eight cups a day. Some people say it's 27 cups a day. Two cups a day is all you need. Like what is the, where do you want to be when it comes to a, you know, yeah. a, a, a Peak functioning individual, how much water should you be drinking? That's a great question. So, like, it was mostly the water industry that's like, you need the. There's a water industry? Water industry, like, Nestle is all like, yeah, drink eight cups of water a day, and everyone was buying those plastic bottles at the time. Yeah. There's not really any research showing, like, how much water you need. Everyone's a little bit different. Right. Um, I don't know. There's so much BS research out there. It's like hard to really dissect. I'd say if you're working out or you're a sweaty individual like me, I sweat a lot. Um, You have to drink more water to replenish your loss. I think that's something people forget, especially do like hot yoga or something like that. But stay. Yeah, it depends on what you what you think is great. I have like three water bottles a day, and you feel fine. You don't have any headaches. 
Right. Your skin looks good. Like yeah. you have to be your own scientist, your own judge. Right. To say a one size fits all eight cups a day is like a pretty rigid thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you have to be the best judge of that. I'd say drink so that you have to pee multiple times throughout the day. Gotcha. That's the best way to awesome. put it. No, that's good. Yeah. For, if you don't if you don't have to get up to pee like three times at work, like you like peed in the morning and yeah. then once that night you didn't drink enough water. Because my thing is like I, I'll tell myself. I don't want to feel like I'm bloated and I don't want to feel like I'm thirsty. Yeah. And if I do feel thirsty, get a glass of water as soon as you can. Yeah. Like if, totally. as soon as you feel that, get that yeah, glass yeah. of water. Cool. Yeah. That's good. Um, you know, we talked about a whole bunch of stuff. I want to talk about you now. Right? Okay. For you to come to where you're at doing all the things that you do, yeah. you obviously go through adversity. Uh, and mm-hmm. if you're open to talking about it, you know, being a woman in the field as well, yeah. a woman in academia, uh, you know, being a model, a fitness model, I'm sure there's body issues and that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, for the people that are listening, like, you know, body, like how they see themselves is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one, did you ever go through, and it might be a rhetorical question, any kind of body issues and, you know, uh, judging yourself too hard and other people doing that? And how did you kind of navigate that and hopefully overcome that? <laughs> well, when you're six feet tall in grade eight and all the boys are like down there, that was comical, but... I think for me, I'm lucky. So I think there's height and then there's weight. So for right. me, I'm tall. Yeah. If I didn't play sport, I think I probably would have been a little bit more insecure. Right. But on my team, everyone else is six feet tall. It kind of just is that thing. Right, right, right. And then getting to a national team level, we didn't even talk about volleyball. Oh, we got to talk about that. Yeah, we got to talk about that too. <laughs> uh, so I think, yeah, that was sort of validation for me being really, well, really good. I think being good at my sport right. was... Yeah, like you kind of like own your height. Like if I didn't have my height, I would never right. play for the national team. Right, like right, that's right. just the reality of the situation. So right. I think for a lot of tall girls, there's an insecurity there. Like this like small, you try to be a bit smaller, you roll the shoulders down, all the boys are smaller than you. Yeah, so yeah. there's that insecurity. Uh, I owned it for sure. There was times I was a little awkward when my, my guys that I liked were shorter than me. But like, <laughs> whatever, I'm taller than most men, so that's yeah. fine. Um, and then in terms of weight, playing professional beach volleyball weight is a huge issue mm-hmm. i think every single girl on the female national and you were, team you were on the national team yeah, yeah yeah so i think every girl on team canada has had some sort of body issue mm-hmm. um most of us diagnosable with some sort of yeah eating disorder in right, a sense right so for me i definitely went through it hard so i was always really lanky and skinny so when I went to Connecticut, I had to put on a lot of weight, like muscle weight. So right, I was right. working out five times a day, upper body only. Yeah. My traps were up to here. Like, I'm pretty skinny, yeah. but like, I was huge. I was curling like 50s. Like, it was nothing. Like, benching more than my body weight. Like, it was, I put on what I needed to put on. Yeah. And then when I came this back to Canada. This was a requirement by the team? Requirement. Yeah, so yeah. that's sort of message of you. Like, I'm not big enough. I'm not strong yeah, enough. No. And I always had to eat so much to like help yeah, with yeah, those yeah. calories. And then when I came to beach volleyball, I still had that mentality. I was never big enough or strong enough. So I right. tried to do that, but it wasn't conducive to my sport. It was almost too big. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I thought it was too big and I wasn't skinny enough or I wasn't strong. So then I would try to do all this big, these big workouts, but maybe not eat as much. So then I stayed like lean. So there was a lot of, it wasn't healthy, my relationship yeah. with food and my health, relationship with working out and not knowing that balance. Yeah. Um, and it took, and also it's a, when I was playing, I was like 19, 20, 21, 22. So that is a very important 
part of your life for yeah. just self-discovery right, and right. figuring out who you are. Yeah. So psychologically, it was very difficult. Yeah, 19, everyone thinks they know who they are and what they want to be. You absolutely do not. No, yeah. nothing. You know nothing. <laughs> but in my head, I was just like, I'm the beach volleyball player yeah. and just messing with my mind. So my body issues and food issues really affected my playing. That yeah. was like messing me up on, on the sand. How, how did you deal with that? I mean... I didn't, honestly, it's because then I ended up going into medicine and specializing in neuroscience that I never really fully had closure with that chapter. Right. Um, once I moved away from sport, now I'm non-bikini, not in the sand, not being judged and looked at, yeah. then I could get more internal and just be happy with like what I am, do the workouts I knew were good for my body, eat what I knew was good for my body, right, right, right. and it all just worked out the way that it was supposed to. I, gotcha. grew, I had the body I was meant to have, I was eating what I was supposed to eat. Yeah. And it was fine because right. I was just doing it for me and I wasn't thinking about everyone else around me yeah, that yeah. I need to be stronger and heavier or not as big but bigger here. So, Do you look back, like, not regretful, but in a way that, like, like shit, I shouldn't have been doing that? Like, does that almost bother you or keep you up at night kind of sometimes? Or? For sure. I think, you know, I'm human. So, again, I, I ruminate on the past and yeah. it does make me sad because I believe I could have been a better athlete or performed a little bit more to my potential if I was, yeah, if I had that maturity and perspective. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I can't put that on me because I'm 19 years old, I'm 20 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I'm going to be an idiot or, yeah. you know, be self-conscious or be self-deprecating. Like, 100%. That was my journey. I need what to What would go you tell through. yourself, and I guess, you know, to the people that might be listening, especially if there's a yeah. woman listening to this, um, that might be kind of going through the same thing. Like, what, yeah. what would you tell them or tell yourself? That, oh, that's a great question, especially female athletes in sport. Um I would say go look at the ESPN body issue and see that there's a body type for every sport right. and everyone looks different. Right. So know that your body's changing in response to your sport. Right. And that's a beautiful thing. You're representing your sport by the way your body's shaped. Yeah. And then the second thing is that you're representing you and only you. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be that person on that team, on the national team, on the Olympic team, whatever that looks like, you can only be you on that. You can't be anyone else. Yeah, so if yeah. you're trying to be Cindy or a Perry Walsh or you're trying to be whoever it is. I'm going to say Cindy Luther, but that's yeah. totally uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not an important part, whatever she no. is. If you're trying to be someone else, you're taking away from you and you're less of who you are, so you're never going to get there. Right. If you just keep adding to you and fulfilling yourself to the best potential yeah, yeah, without yeah. comparing yourself to anyone else, yeah. only then do you have the opportunity to be the best. Yeah. So I'd say let your body fall into the way your body's supposed to fall. If you're supposed to have a little bit more fat or more muscle or more girth or whatever, yeah. be that and let the sport shape you. Don't try and shape it to be something that it's not. Yeah, I've never heard it said like that. That's amazing. Thanks. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, when you're actually you know, navigating adversity now, like you're mm-hmm. doing all these things. Yeah. Clearly, you must have times where your workload is super high. You're okay. literally moving to a different continent. Yeah. A continent that has the most poisonous animals per capita. I might be making that There's up. an antidote for everything. Um, <laughs> you're going through all these things, and like it can be super stressful. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, hey, you agreed to do this shoot with us, and you're like, that's just another variable. Um, After eight hours of yoga, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, how do you navigate that? Like, you know, what do you do to keep going? <sighs> that's a great question. Sometimes I wonder myself. I think Martin probably wonders that as well. <laughs> hey, sweetie. Um, I, I think I just believe in myself so much and I know I have so much to give to the world. I think it would be a waste to stay at home and have a self-pity party for myself. What's up? 
I love that you say that. And we do these interviews all the time. I was in New York talking to a photographer and I'm just like, when they say things that like, I'm, I, I feel the same way. Yeah. Part of it, it's validation for me. That's a selfish thing. <laughs> but part of it is like, yeah, like this is right. Like other people that I've never talked to before are feeling the same thing. And yeah. it's this idea that if you have these privileges that you have, if yeah. you had the, you know, the education, mm-hmm. the access to the facilities, whatever it may be, yeah. and that you can make a difference in someone else's life. Yeah. Like, hey, take the time to rest. You're doing meaningful things. Totally. Because when I see you and I hear your story, I'm like, that is fucking amazing. <laughs> Please, I'm rooting for you. Keep going. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, for sure. But I think at the same time, yes, give as much as you possibly can. But it's the oxygen mask theory, right? Put on your mask first before you can help someone else. So I am a yeah. very selfish person. And yeah. I, like, I own that. Like I tell people, I'm Please selfish. Please preach that. Please <laughs> preach that. Because you, I'm you, a selfish person. You, I, mean, you gotta, I mean, I hate to sound so you know, hoity-toity, but you got to love yourself before you can love anyone else. Totally. To put it at a basic level. Yeah. Right? Like, what you give to the world is a, is a reflection of what you give to yourself. Or it should be a reflection of what you give to yourself. So I have a very expensive gym membership. Yeah. I don't make a lot of money right now. Yeah. I make zero dollars, to be honest, because I'm going to medical school and spending money there. But I invest in my health. I'm at the gym every right. single day and that's right. not for egotistical reasons or for physique reasons it's i train for my brain because i know my brain is what i need in school and what right, i need right, to right. help people right. i eat well I, I i go to the grocery store i shop the printer i do all the things that i preach because yeah. i need to be 100 percent julia and the best version of myself yeah. to live into that potential yeah. because that's what brings me happiness is when i'm doing the things that i love yeah and i'm and i and i see it i see like i see this growth and i see me on this path and I love it. I yeah. want to, like, I'm like, go, go, Julian. I have yeah. conversations yeah, with yeah, myself, yeah. and I think that self-reflection can be really difficult for people to do, yeah, but it's, checking it's, in it's, is important. It often gets ignored because I'll, I'll bump into people, mm-hmm. and it's almost like I can see that other people don't love themselves and haven't yeah. given them the time. And, you know, I'll give you an example. It's like, you know, people ask about being a father. You know, I have a two-year-old son, mm-hmm. and they'll say, like, you know, what's the secret? Like, how, you know, tips and tricks. Love yourself. Yeah. Because if you can truly love yourself – you will love your son and you know exactly what to do. I don't need to give you advice on being a father because you'll know. Yeah. But the problem is, I feel, this is my opinion anyway, is yeah. that so often young fathers are not honest with themselves. They right. don't love who they are and that reciprocates onto their child. Like yeah. you talked about, it bleeds into everything else. A um, good, uh, maybe Marty can speak more to this as well, is that whatever a parent's going to figure out for themselves is on us to figure out. So if your dad didn't love himself, that's now on you to figure out yeah. how to love yourself because yeah. he wasn't able to demonstrate that for you or teach you that. Right, right. So like for me, like my parents, like they have a lot of financial stress and they argue a lot. So for me, my job now is to make sure I don't have that and that I learn to love my partner like unconditionally and that we have this open relationship right. and open communication. So right. I think that is true. It's yeah, it's definitely that that self yeah, self love is huge, man. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. On that note we will end it off Thank you all for watching. Number one, you got to follow Julia on Instagram. So what's your Instagram handle? At Julia Hamer. Julia Hamer. Uh, we'll have a pop-up as well in the description, all that kind of stuff. There's also at The Athletic Couple. Yeah. And there's The Fit Brain. Does that have its own account or is that just your Julia? Uh, it's just the, at Julia Hamer. Julia Hamer. Follow her. Yeah. Uh, there's amazing content coming out. Thank you guys for watching. The full conversation, the full podcast is below. So make sure to check that out as well. And we'll see you next time.